Welcome back to episode four of the Murphy Corp podcast. This week on the Business Change series, Rach is sitting down with Tanya Duarte from Disruption. That was a really interesting episode. They talk uh, 5G ambulances and even go back in time to the 90s and the newspaper industry. Hopefully you'll enjoy the story that's told. So you and I met, um, well, we met some time ago and we met virtually, which is a bit random. It sounds like we're on some dodgy dating app, but that <laughs> wasn't the case. We were doing the uh, the advanced digital leadership diploma. Um, that's sort of where we where we first met. Um, and, and I we were talking a little bit just before we started recording, but um, I think we've both got similar energy, so I expect this might be quite a lively uh, a lively session. Um, so I'll kick off um, and, and just ask um, from a business change perspective, you know, what does business change really mean to you? So uh, my understanding of business change from a definition point of view is any significant um, programme which impacts on a company's operations. So it could be transformation, digitalisation, it could be a new business model, processes, structures, restructuring, etc. But I think what business change means to me personally is much more complex than that and has changed a lot. So ironically, my, my view of change has changed um, in the 30 years that I've been working. So I thought it might help to explain that, how it's changed a bit more if I talk about some of the experiences that I've had of change over the years and give context to why I think that's led us to where we are now. We're at a very individual epoch in history, people say, where change is uh, a completely different beast to, to, to what it was. Um, and I'd like to yeah, just start off by rolling back the clock a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so uh, starting in 1400. No, <laughs> I'm not actually... We're not going to roll back that far. I'm not actually... We've, we've got about 20 minutes. I'm not actually that old. Uh, but the invention of the printing press, and the reason I talk about this is I was working in the newspaper industry in the 19... Sorry, 1990s. I was going to say 1900s there. Um, and the my view of technology at the time was that... the printing press had been this amazingly democratising force that had led to the scientific enlightenment, um, to mass media, which led to greater, um, basically greater de- democratisation of education, literacy, you know, etc. So technology is this amazingly positive force that causes societal change. And over history, we've had this loop of technology causing societal change, which causes invention and more technology and that loop is basically getting faster and faster and faster which is why I wanted to to kind of plug it into that that context and and my first understanding of of technology implementation being this amazing thing but in the 1990s the newspaper industry we still were very much working with the legacy of whopping dispute um so just for anyone who doesn't have that as fresh in their mind as 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 I do and, and certainly a lot of my colleagues did at the time this is a, a great example of a change project in which the newspaper industry had got quite behind the times and, and printing was still done with, with hot metal wow. um, and required vast amounts of people um, and was, was all based, uh, as we know, on Fleet Street. 
and Murdoch, with the support of Thatcher at the time, wanted to digitalise it. I mean, sounds sensible, right? Uh, and the way they did it is they surreptitiously built a new plant in Wapping, secretly, and kitted it out, and then overnight, having failed to come to a deal with the trade unions, moved operations, literally overnight, they missed one edition, and had 670 people creating uh, a, a newspaper, the Sunday Times, Times, uh, The Sun, etc., uh, whereas they previously had 6,800, so they cut a workforce of 6,800, 670, literally, in one day. So anyone working on a change project now who's feeling that people, you know, are a little bit left out of it and it's not... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they want to use it as an example. We, we have made some progress. Um, and the legacy of this was still very much felt when I started um, in newspapers because it was a very toxic environment, it was kind of innovation and progress was was still very feared so even coming up to, to 2000 okay the journalists now had direct input and had computers we didn't have any computers I mean you know you're kind of got a team running a team who you know brings in 300 million or whatever it is and we had a team of local Docklands women called scrutters official job title wow. scrutters inputting data uh, on a computer that the salespeople were kind of throwing at them, you know, throughout the day. Now this is, you know, this is at the turn of the century, and I just thought there has to be a better way. There has to be this. This is this is kind of crazy. This is all wrong. The, the toxic environment, lack of innovation, etc. And so I went to do um, an MBA uh, to find that better way. You were that innovator, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, went to you know, a great business school um, and found out oh, all about learning all about change management. I thought this is fantastic. All you need is some tools and processes and you know this kind of guidebook and playbook and you know this is how things should be done. Great and uh, we've 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 all held that hope <laughs> over over many years. Uh, you know I, I knew that, that that change was good and technology was good. It just needs to be you know kind of implemented properly. So off I went to a, a project to work at Reuters. Um, who, uh, I don't think people widely realise this because it's, it's got such a great name in news, but fundamentally they were a real-time data business for financial service markets. Um, so, you know, real-time share information, etc. And, and, and over the, the 80s had, had um, and, and built up this massive data infrastructure. So while I was based in Fleet Street still, they still had an office there, um, the, the, the real work was done in, you know, state-of-the-art data centre in, in the Docklands. Um, and at the time that I went to work there in the finance department for, for operations, data operations, they, um, they were having a real time, uh, real trouble. Share price, I think while I was there, dropped about 75%. I try not to take credit for that. Um, they just <laughs> laid off as I arrived, 1,600 people in the UK. Wow. Um, it may have been global, but uh, about 1,600 people. Um, and I thought, well, you know, this is great because, you know, I'm kitted out now. I, can, I, I know how to do this now. Yeah, there's only one way you can go on to those <laughs> <laughs> and um, pitched up and of course there were dozens of consultancy reports that um, we kind of thought oh actually you know there's quite a lot of change management that's being done here and this is where the people side of change management gets forgotten so you know the, the change management as opposed to transformation is very much you know, meant to be about how you manage the people behind the change that you're trying to make. Um, and there had been hundreds of consultants um, spending thousands of pounds, and yet it just wasn't working. And we needed to work out how to rationalise the, the cost base. They'd lost track of, of, of basically, they'd lost track of their, their cost base, you know, making hay while the, 
that the sum was good um, and um, it sounds familiar yeah and uh, and now we needed the cooperation of the people who held the knowledge within the business to actually help to know where to make the cuts because you know rather than just salami slicing and realizing you cut your leg off or to mix my metaphors there so um and were the sorry to yeah, you, if you yeah, don't mind, yeah. were the business at that time so there was lots of consultants in was it a kind of leave your badge at the door or was everybody citing i work for company abc and therefore rivaling internally before they were focused on the business change i i think there there were it was more different um, different functions within the business had their oh, okay. own consultants. So they just pulled them in, in left, right and centre. So they were pulling them left and they weren't talking to each right. other. So at one point I found the project I was working on was kind of basically duplicated across about four other different wow. silos and we were all working on the same problem, you know, separately. But the real eye-opener for me and, and the people side of things is very important to me, um, you know, and, and to throw as many cliches about, you know, culture... Um, eating strategy for breakfast, etc., was when I tried to do a culture study. So for me, I thought, right, I've got, I've got to engage these people. I've got to get them on board. Um, uh, I've learned that a culture study is a great way to do this. Can we diagnose the culture within this unit, um, and then it will give me the correct tools to be able to, to to engage them. Even though I had management support, even though everyone knew the business was you know on its knees at the time, I could not get anyone to do this culture study, like the, the actual people, you know, working and what there. what was that? People just knew the business was in trouble or they didn't want they to They just engage? wouldn't reply to my emails. They said they would, they wouldn't. Everyone said they supported it. They didn't do the survey. They cancelled meetings. They disappeared. They, you know, it was... It was the most sobering time that I've had. And I actually wanted to rewrite all the academic books on culture study to have a culture for, you know, won't do the culture study. <laughs> Will not engage. <laughs> Will not engage. You know, what, what kind of culture is that? And, and it was, you know, I think it was a really great learning experience for me um, and, you know, kind of my, my naivety um, in saying, you know, some A, some problems you can't fix because yeah. they, they need to be fixed at the top. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. And that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because that is learned behaviour or accepted behaviour that makes people think they can just deselect themselves from getting involved and not even respond. Um, yeah, it's... And, and I think it's also as a, as a factor of change fatigue. There'd been so many consultants coming in, there'd been so much going on that I think it was just absolute, utter apathy and fatigue. Yeah. Um, and a few years later, they got bought by... Um, uh, merged. I don't know exactly how it worked with Thompson um, and you know I think that's what needed you know something practical yeah. needed to happen basically um, so that was kind of my second experience of change and, and I, I kind so of so it didn't put you off well it kind of put me <laughs> off the corporates a little bit and I think I think my my feeling at the time was look seeing this model of incumbents being um challenged and, and this had been one of Reuters issues being in challenged by um you know kind of startups and and being displaced and not being able to move fast enough and and I, I kind of crossed the, the 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 fence a little bit and went to the startup side thinking look I need to achieve change I need to actually make things happen I can empathize with that <laughs> I followed the same path a couple of years ago yeah you know that I can't um you know I, I I'm not here on this planet long enough to to kind of not to be making things happen I have a huge amount of respect for those people that, that can affect change from the inside because um, we need those people um, and um, but it's not something that I felt 
able to do. And at the same time, I was looking back at the newspaper industry. Um, and, um, you know, at this point, uh, the, you know, digital publishing had... I mean, that market got decimated. Absolutely decimated yeah. where, I, where I was working. So this kind of idea of, you know, digital um, upstarts, displacing, disrupting incumbents, you know, was, was very uh, attractive at the time. Ironically, and this does tie into to kind of where I'm getting to, uh, in January this year, you had BuzzFeed and Huffington Post kind of posting that, you know, they're, they're not making money, they're now cutting their staff, so these kind of digital upstarts have been displaced by, you know, the fact that people get their, their, their news on... On, um, on Twitter. On, exactly. <laughs> well, I think 35% of people get it from Facebook, and I think... Um, I mean, that is... You know, 34, 35, uh, and I think 49% of people get their news from social media. So I, I can, yeah, yeah, I could buy into that. Some of the stuff I read on Facebook, I would be nervous, be like the equivalent of being a subscriber to The Sun back in the day, but yeah. uh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, the whole fake news thing and, and everything, but, but I think that's, you know, that's part of the cycle of... Uh, you know, disruption and staying relevant and, and, and understanding um, how to change quickly, but also who your customer is and who, yeah. who, who they want it. So, and how did yeah. it change then in the in the world of startup? So, when you arrived in the the land of startup, what was your experience with business change there? Um, so, I think it, it's varied quite a bit. I set up my own e-commerce uh, delivery business. Um, Sold that the week that Lehman Brothers uh, collapsed, which I have to say was one of my more fortunate, <laughs> more fortunate pieces of timing. Um, and did feel that yes, it was possible to create change, but of course, you know, nothing's ever perfect. Uh, and where I've got to now, and I have done some consulting for, for you know larger companies in the meantime, albeit. Some of it was in turnaround, which you know kind of reinforced my opinion, yeah. and, and we did quite a bit on insolvency and turnaround. Um, but where I think I am now is having used the startup experience and found that over that time period, so when I was working in, in Tech Hub at Google Campus, we were finding more and more people from corporates were seconding people into those environments and wanting to work with startups and the start of this kind of collaborative ecosystem where I feel that corporates have got to a different stage of realising that they can't just, well, mostly realising they can't just impose a change programme and tick that box and everything will be okay, but actually that it, they need to change the culture and, and working with startups is a lot of the time a, a part of that and looking at how innovation happens outside of a, a, a kind of big ship um, has been really, has worked really well. And now there are so many network ecosystems and that, that involve businesses at all different stages, which I think is hugely exciting. So I've kind of ended up back into the corporate world, but from a completely different perspective, which is using the experience of both uh, working in Disruption, which is a business information provider, and, and we... Uh, disruption, sorry, forgive me, yeah. Disruption are part of the Panoply group? That's right, okay. yeah. Um, but uh, we started as a, as a magazine and a blog, a blog actually first, and a magazine, but we do reports and work with a lot of innovation leaders at a lot of corporates, which is how we understand what their pain points are. We understand a lot through 
working with them, talking with them, etc. What it is that people need to help them to be the change maker in their organisation to, okay. to drive so the whole change. business is kind of predicated on that. Yes, I think I think it I think it is, and um, it's an exciting time for me. I've always, as I kind of mentioned, been very interested in technology and. Although we started a lot trying to explain to people how they should be viewing technology, emerging technologies within their business, so, you know, very much what should you be doing about AI, about machine learning, about virtual reality, about, um, you know, IoT, um, at the point at which some of them were still buzzwords um, and trying to demystify that and say, no, you actually really do need yeah. to be looking at this, but this, forget it about this. It kind of has arrived, you need to get on board. You need to get on board, but actually these things maybe you don't need to be worrying about so much um, because there's also a lot of future gazing that goes on and a lot of headlines that, that make us feel like we're further towards, you know, autonomous vehicles are coming tomorrow, you know, yeah. or, or whatever. And it's, that's, you know, that's not... I mean, I half expect to see a flying Uber outside the door. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm disillusioned, normally waiting 25 minutes, and one finally pulls up around the corner. Um, and um, what about the challenges then? You talked a little bit about some of the challenges you had at Reuters with a, with big corporates and, and then made the shift into startup. Um, you know, do you think it's easier or harder to drive change um, in startups? I, I, well, I do think it's, it's easier. Um, Good, I'll I, take a few tips. I'm finding it quite difficult <laughs> at the minute. Uh, to drive change, I think it is. There's, but, but you have a different, potentially different set of challenges, I think. Yep. So you're swapping one set of challenges for another. Um, you know, often it's the, you know, the resources to, to, to kind of fulfil the change that you want to drive are often part of the issue. But, but interestingly, we've just done... Um, at Disruption, we've just finished a piece of work which I'm hugely excited by, uh, which is we launched an awards for the 50 most disruptive companies in the UK. Um, and I, I was absolutely astounded by the work that some of them are doing. So they're not all startups. Some have been around since the 1980s, although you know, a good percentage have only been around for three years. But the types of solutions that they have come up with and the ways that they've approached them um, are really inspiring and as part of the criteria we had some classical disruption indicators so you know replacing incumbents um, changing the structure of the marketplace identifying new routes to market uh, but also and, and they're quite classical ones but I think these days we're also looking at disruptive companies as being companies that can scale quickly grow fast and some of that is to do sometimes with with brands you know yeah. being able to to get to communicate their brand and get people behind their brand quickly and sometimes it's about identifying that infrastructure that 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 allows them to or, or the the network benefits that allow them to, to to piggyback off the other great technological solutions that there are and grow really really and, fast and do you think startups are more open to that um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I've worked in big corporates who who wouldn't want to go and work with others because they'd be so nervous of the concept of an ecosystem. But my experience in startup is that there is more collaboration and there is more willingness to mm. work together. Is is that a, a shared view? Yes, I think it is. So many so many startups, scale ups are using each other's 
technology. Um, you know, one wouldn't be possible without the other. It's this kind of incremental building. And I think that's why the loop, this technological to societal change is, is speeding up so much is because the, as technology pro progress speeds up, we can create things faster that other people can then build more project, pro products on top of. <coughs> so, I mean, 5G, you know, is going to be what really makes a lot of the things we've been talking about for some time really come to life. But you couldn't have them without, um, you know, increases in computer processing power. Yeah. Um, it's a funny one, that, because um, there's a, a partner that we're work, doing some work with at the minute, a company called Visionable, uh, and they have smart ambulances, so connected ambulances using 5G um, that would allow you to stream data from the back of the ambulance straight yeah. into the hospital. Now, you know, that just would not be possible until, you know, the core infrastructure from a 5G perspective that was, was made available. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I absolutely, I absolutely hear that. And I think part of that evolution um, you know, we almost needed the infrastructure to catch up yes. so we can build on top of it. Yes, and so I think a lot of the big corporates are dependent on startups to provide the, the, the products that make their infrastructure work and come yeah. to life. I mean, the, the whole voice economy, for example, you know, yes, we're maybe reliant on, on Google and Amazon to, to, to create some of that technology, but then the, the number of companies that have sprung up around voice technology I mean, is, 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 is amazing. So I think, I think it is, I, I guess, going back to the, um, you know, working together, I think that we have to, we have to work together more um, and that I think that's a factor of the change in change as well, yeah. um, is that we're kind of all in this um, together. And I think companies, you know, large companies ha generally have accepted that. So a lot of our work is connecting people together. We ran um, Disruption Summit just, just last week where we had people coming together from every every discipline, um, but also... And it, it got amazing press. So, oh, yeah, yes. fantastic press. Oh, it was so exciting. I mean, seeing we, we, we revealed the winners of the Disruption 50 there um, and actually quite a few of them. Knew, knew each other already you know because they are so yeah it's that community it's, it? it's a real community but they were also meeting people from you know larger companies IBM you know whatever it is who were really interested in learning from what they're doing um, and one of the reasons I feel really inspired by by that whole exercise is also how many of the companies are involved in in projects which which have kind of social purpose at the core of them so yeah. I think 10 of our 50 uh, were companies, you know, the cup club, who the kind of, you know, cup cup scheme. So, so addressing societal problems that we have now, but as a business rather than as a charity. Change, please, was another. It's yeah. um, it's a fascinating one because I think whereas you know, maybe gr growing up. Um, there was a nod to some of that, but we find with um, millennials that have joined different, you know, people are genuinely yeah. wanting to make a difference. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people of our era were talking bollocks. Uh, some of us may have been. Um, but, but what I mean is, you know, there is a real recognition that if people don't act now, you know, the health service won't be there in the next 10 years, 20 years. Um, you know, if people don't do something about um, recycling um, and other big and pieces um there's there's an ownership that that i haven't seen before so i can understand why kind of 
um, you know, tech for good is, is really taking off. It, it is. And, and the winner, uh, actually, the Disruption 50 was what three words who, when I first came across them as a London startup a few years ago, I, I thought was just a, a kind of hipster way of having a postcode is basically they've given three words to every um, three square metres on, on the planet. Wow. And at the time, I couldn't really see much purpose for this, but that's because I hadn't thought about the use cases and the potential in the developing world. So if you're in a nomadic community somewhere and need medical supplies dropped in, uh, that's almost impossible We're in an area that doesn't have postcodes. And they have now made a massive difference to the ability to deliver services to countries you know, across the world. So this is a UK, London startup that really is changing Global. the world. Um, but mean, the thing is, is, is there a commercial, you know, they're a commercial company on top of that. So it's the whole feeling that profit and purpose aren't two you know, separate things. And now it's all about you know, kind of profit with purpose. And, and we're doing a lot of work on that. And that's become a disruptive force within itself because consumer activism, as you said with your, yeah. your millennials, um, consumer activism is is demanding it. You can no longer just greenwash stuff, or you, you know, yeah. you actually have to really. I like um, the, uh, the greenwash it. phrase. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Um, and it, from a kind of personal perspective, what um, what makes you want to drive change rather than you know work in a business as usual capacity? I, I think I've never really had the option not to I've never been part of the status quo so I think if you never were the status quo yeah. then you have <laughs> never want to be you have no investment in in kind of hanging on to it um I mean certainly growing up being um being different uh you know different ethnicity uh different class actually a lot of the time you know different sexuality you know it just from where I grew up it it kind of you always were just instilled with this feeling of wanting to make things better um, because it, it gives you more of an insight into all the inequalities um, that there are um, in the world. And, and certainly um, my kind of the next step for me, I think, is, is, is an issue that I've, I've become increasingly um, aware of and, and motivated by, which is um, the data um, the bias in data and the lack of diversity in machine learning development, which it's a uh, it's a fascinating subject and one we uh, we would definitely like to explore further. Um, so I am uh, probably going to need to just pull time sure. today. I um, absolutely love your energy, Tanya. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Um, but we'll definitely rope you back in for another session. Oh, lovely! Thank you very much. Thank you.